Hi, everyone. Today's format for the podcast is going to be a little bit different. I'd like to share with you some stories uh, around my experience with martial arts in my life and how that's helped me to grow, to heal, um, to move through past and beyond some of the traumas that I've had to endure as a result of bullying and other things. So I'll just go through and talk to you about my experiences uh, with martial arts through my whole life and sort of what that was like, how I felt doing it, uh, where the difficulties were, where the benefits were, and just to give you a sort of an idea of how that can impact someone and how it can help you heal from some of these traumas. Later on in the podcast, I'm also going to be speaking with a friend of mine who I met uh, training in martial arts, Haris Shadin, and he is a relatively young guy who is now teaching martial arts. Um, We trained together for a number of years, and then he's gone off and uh, opened up a dojo, and he teaches kids. So I'll be getting his perspective as well on you know, how he transitioned from student to teacher and now some of his tactics and philosophies in teaching children um, to help them kind of grow into their lives as well and discover who they are and build their identities. So I'll start off with my story. And, you know, martial arts has been a part of my life pretty much my whole life in different ways. Um, I don't remember which of these next two things happened first, actually, but I believe the first thing that happened was when I was very young. Um, My dad had signed me and my brother up with him as well for sort of a kickboxing uh, martial arts kind of uh, program with someone local. And what I remember from that, um, and we didn't do it for too long, was I remember being very scared. I remember being afraid because it felt like an unsafe environment. I remember being put in a ring with other kids who were much bigger and more aggressive than I was and given some sparring equipment and just told to go and fight. And that was just not something that was in my nature. I have never really felt the desire to fight or... um, you know, I've always been quite scared of that. And it it almost seemed like that was my first experience with bullying is, you know, in this situation where I'm expected to do something that I didn't really even understand why um, I was being expected to do that. And the fact was that the the concept at the time, I think, was if you, you know, get roughed around and if you have to be put through these situations, you're going to toughen up. And I'm not sure that that always works the way that people intend it to, maybe with some people who have a certain disposition, uh, but certainly not with myself. And I think after a while, uh, my dad did realize that um, the place was not the best uh, for the training, and he himself had also gotten into some altercations with people there who were trying to bully him uh, as a beginner as well. So uh, we didn't do that for very long. So that was not... A first good impression of martial arts, um, but I was quite young. So I, remem- I remember another uh, thing that I used to do, which, and I don't know where this came from, but we had a, a VHS um, video tape of some sort of a 
a Japanese and martial arts kind of lesson. So I was, and I don't know where this came from, but I remember being sort of obsessed with it. I would put the tape in and you would first learn to count in Japanese and you'd learn all these Japanese words and then there'd be sort of punching and kicking and certain moves. And I think it was a beginner video. So I did that for a while and I was very young at the time as well. Um, and for some reason I was just compelled to keep watching that video. And I think I was more interested in learning the Japanese words than anything else. So that was the, the first exposure I had to that aspect of martial arts. But again, that wasn't a long-term thing. Um, and from that point when I was really young until when I was a teenager, um, there was sort of no more exposure to martial arts for me. Um, all the bullying happened, you know, between, say, grade four and grade 12. And there was an incident um, that I had in, in school where I was attacked uh, by a group of people and pretty severely injured. Um, that was pretty much a wake-up call. You know, it was, it was really scary. I, I probably could have died. Um, I was kicked in the head really hard and it, it injured my face and my jaw. And, you know, I, I sort of decided at that point in time I had to do something uh, because I, I had no self-esteem. I felt totally helpless. I felt extremely vulnerable. And, you know, I was the kind of person I, I probably weighed 110 120 pounds. Um, I walked down the hallways looking at my feet because I had no confidence to even look forward uh, to face what, what I would see in the world ahead of me. So, you know, this was where I was coming from. And I thought, you know, enough is enough. I started to go through this, uh, I guess, maybe rebellious phase a little bit at that time where because everyone, you know, treated me poorly and made fun of who I was. Um, I almost decided to change who I was outwardly. So, you know, I, I dyed my hair purple and, uh, you know, made my hair all spiky and full of gel and uh, sort of punky looking. Um, and that was interesting for a time. You know, I think it, it did do something to disrupt the patterns that were happening. And you know, I started to withdraw from school as much as I could. So my girlfriend at the time uh, who I was dating was also into uh, martial arts and she wasn't entirely happy with where she was training. So we decided that we were going to go look for somewhere to train together. And I was going to start martial arts because of what happened to me. So that's what we did. And I found a place um, that seemed uh, good. So we started there. She didn't train with me for long, um, so I ended up um, training there for many years um, on my own, essentially. But what got me in the door was really her support to say, you know, let's do this together. So for the first little while, um, everything was new and exciting, and, you know, I was drawn to it. I, I thought this was really promising, and it could help me, and... When you hear martial arts, you always hear people talk about the benefits that it's going to have. It's going to have benefits for your self-confidence and, you know, your uh, physical health and mental health and um, self-defense capabilities and all of this stuff. And, 
you know, that is true to an extent, but it really largely depends also on the teacher, the person who's actually teaching you, because you can have a, a good martial arts education, you can have a poor martial arts education. Um, often what draws people in is the fighting aspect of it, because people tend to understand fighting, even from a young age, we just understand that there's fighting and there's physical contact and violence, and there's a lot of um, entertainment these days tied to fighting. Um, so it draws people in as sort of the first stage of personal development. And you go through that and you learn about the physical nature of it. Um, and then it becomes a lot more than that. So what it did for me, I think, initially, is gave me hope that you know, I could become stronger and I could learn to defend myself. That was the primary motivation. And I didn't, I didn't really know much about philosophy. I wasn't thinking about philosophy or anything deeper than that. I remember, you know, when I started, they were probably looking at me funny because I had this like purple hair and, you know, they were wondering what kind of person I was. And one time, maybe a few weeks or a month or two into the training, the teacher told me, look, you know, when we're doing martial arts training, you have to be respectful of your training partners. And, you know, we do a lot of things like self-defense where you're grabbing people and your, your, your hair could be in someone's face or they could grab it when we're doing, you know, pulling hair self-defense, for example. And he said, you know, you might want to consider, you know, doing something about your hair because it's so spiky and crusty and full of gel. And, you know, I think he was sort of telling me to do something, you know, it wasn't acceptable basically in that setting. And I had to think about that. Um, so I went home and thought about it. And, you know, I wasn't particularly tied to my appearance in any way. It was more just, as I said before, a rebellion, rebellious kind of thing. So I just made the decision to shave my head. You know, I was going to cut off all my hair and just be done with it. Um, I think that was almost a commitment to myself. And commitment is something that you can learn through martial arts. And I think commitment's very important because in healing from some sort of trauma, you have to you have to personally put your heart and soul into it and commit using some sort of motivation for yourself. Otherwise, it's all just a nice sounding thing in theory. But until you do something to make a statement to commit, um, nothing much is going to change. So I shaved off my hair, and the next time I went to the dojo, the teacher looks at me and he says, hello, welcome to the dojo, and you know, my name is whatever, and then he looks at me again, and he's like, wait a second. He's like, holy crap, it's Alex. Um, so he was just blown away that, you know, I, I did that, and that was literally the next day or, you know, a day or two later uh, after we had that conversation. And I think that stuck with him too, um, because it was a sign of commitment. So training, you know, in that dojo, I started, you know, as a beginner and learned, you know, the moves and the katas and the forms and all the, this stuff that you learn. What really started to happen, I think, was that I became more in touch with my inner, I'm going to call it spirit. And spirit not being anything religious, 
more like this primal nature that everyone has, um, the more raw form of yourself, like when you're a kid and you throw a tantrum because you didn't like something, you're just an uninhibited uh, being that's acting on emotion uh, alone. So your spirit controls, you know, where your emotion comes from, your fears, the fight and flight response, all of that stuff. And as adults, we learn to suppress our inner nature and our spirit um, because it's not always appropriate to show that in public or in society. Uh, you can't throw a tantrum if you don't like something, of course. But part of the problem with suppressing it is you start to build defensive walls, shields, um, self-defenses to protect yourself. And I think people lose touch with who they are inside. And martial arts helped me reacquaint myself with it. Because that's, that's where your self-esteem is probably going to come from. Um, your ability to tap into that inner nature. And you can call it your fighting spirit or whatever you want to call it. But with, um, you know, practicing the katas and the moves in martial arts, you know, and, and doing some yelling and heavy breathing, you start to get a little more intense feeling. And those feelings come out. You start to explore and become reacquainted with that which is inside you. And it's that almost getting to know yourself better through that mechanism that starts to help you build uh, confidence or help you move forward by giving you a glimpse of your power, that you have personal power. So, you know, I became quite, and I've always been very serious, a serious person, so I became quite intense about everything, um, very serious about the practice and doing this. And it was interesting because I noticed, you know, in the dojo, there was uh, a girl there that had sort of been staring at me. And I noticed her looking, you know, when I was doing my moves or whatever. And there was something about what was happening, you know, with the training that had caught her attention. And long story short, we ended up, um, you know, dating for a while. But it was because of something that changed inside me, something that came out that was more uh, confident, more primal, that I became more comfortable with, not, you know, feeling like a crumpled up, weak individual, you know, walking tentatively down the hallways of the school, looking over my shoulder or watching my feet. Um, you know, that changed. And it was because of the martial arts and just the, the training and the association of feeling what was inside coming out that helped with that. So a number of years later, um, you know, I was approaching black belt level where I'd been brown belt for about a year and the next step was black belt. And you have to do a test to get a black belt and it's a very difficult, very grueling, strenuous, stressful test that involves physical and mental difficulty. Um, and tasks. And being the person that I was, I was always very uncomfortable with physical fighting. Throughout the whole time that I was doing martial arts, I always felt like, you know, I would get hurt easily. I would be afraid to commit to what I was doing because I was afraid of getting hurt. I was a, you know, I was a very small kid, um, 110, 120 pounds when I was in high school. 
and there were a lot of people in the martial arts dojo that were much bigger and stronger, more powerful, and I just felt like I was nothing to these people, which was, again, a very difficult psychological thing to get over. Um, being faced with that, you know, a lot of people, I think, would want to give up because it is a very difficult psychological thing to face that you don't feel strong uh, physically, and then you don't feel strong mentally. So I always struggled with that throughout my whole martial arts career up until that point when, you know, I was faced with the decision to do a black belt. You know, I look back and I say, why did I quit? And at that point in time, you know, I didn't think I was quitting. But when I look back, I think I did quit. I think I, I was afraid of committing to doing the black belt test. And I said at the time, my excuse was, well, I'm headed to university. University is very stressful and I have exams and I can't dedicate all my time and effort to both things. So I'm going to, you know, take a break with my martial arts training and focus on my studies. And that's totally fine. Everybody needs to prioritize things in their life. And uh, clearly at that point, I wasn't ready to commit, even though I think I could have. I know I could have. Um, and I, I maybe I should have, but I didn't. So I went off to university, and that was sort of the first half of my martial arts training. Um, I think that was around 2005, 2006 when I stopped. And I still thought about it, but I wasn't actively training as I went through university and my master's degree. I started to work out uh, while I was in university and uh, remained fairly physical until I had some health problems. And those health problems put an end to my physical activity. I was scared. I was scared to do anything because for, I, I was afraid it might, it might kill me. Um, those fears, it wasn't clear to me if I was just being afraid and there was no danger or there was a danger because medically they couldn't really explain what was happening. So that was, that was problematic. And it sent me into a bit of a downward spiral from that point. Because up until that point, I was feeling pretty good. I had done years of martial arts that had helped me in many ways. And then I was in university. I had a lot of uh, great uh, peers that I was working with. And I was doing a lot of physical fitness. All of that stopped for the next several years. I got used to not being physical, and I became sedentary. Um, and that's when I sort of started to work, um, started my career, and got into that routine. But there was something missing, right? I didn't realize it. Um, until one day, maybe in 2012 or so, when I took a look at myself and thought, holy crap, I'm totally out of shape. I'm gaining weight. I'm not very happy. And I really missed the martial arts I used to do. And then I thought, well, I am in no shape to do martial arts right now. I can't go do martial arts. I'm in terrible shape. So... Again, this is one of those points where a person could say to themselves, forget about it. This isn't for me anymore. I was young and now I'm older and now it's too late. Uh, but I, I didn't do that 
because I looked at myself again. It was just like getting kicked in the face when I was a kid. It was a wake up call. It's like, no, 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 you can do something about this. So I made a decision. I made a commitment again, and it's about commitment. I said, I'm going to do the P90X fitness program because I heard about it and it looked like people were getting all sorts of results and it was, you know, 90 days. Um, so that was totally doable. And I thought, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it all the way. So I'm going to commit to this. And I did the program. I lost something like 20 pounds and, um, you know, got in shape. And although when I, when I looked at myself after the program and I compared it to all of these people who have these before and after shots and they look totally ripped, I wasn't ripped. You know, I was in decent shape, but I was like, how come I don't look like that? But it didn't really matter. I felt a lot better. I felt a lot more confident. That's what really matters. And then as soon as I was done that program, a couple months later, you know, I'd still been mulling over the idea of going back to martial arts. And one day, I think it was on my birthday in 2013, that I looked up a local place that was close by to where I live now. And it was part of the same network of organizations that I trained with before. The guy who ran the dojo was a guy I remember from like 10 years or more before that. He was pretty hard to forget because he was a monster. He was huge and uh, vicious. And I just remember him seeing him in the black belt tests uh, when he was doing some of his uh, gradings. So I walked in and said, I want to join. And gave him my sort of background in history. And they're like, okay, do you want to sign up for a month? Do you want to sign up for you know three months? That's pretty common. And again, it comes down to commitment. I said, no, I want to sign up for a year. So who would do that? Who would go into a place that they've never been before and say, I'm committing to a year and I'm going to pay up front one whole year. And the reason I did that was a commitment to myself to say that you're in this. You're invested now. You have to do it. So that began the next leg of the journey um, where training in this dojo was very much different from my previous experiences. There were also some other martial arts experiences I didn't mention. When I was in university, I played around a little bit with um, uh, Weichiru and a little bit with Judo. Um, those were just sort of on-campus activities, but they contributed as well, and Aikido as well. Um, they contributed as well to my sort of robust uh, understanding of martial arts and experience working with different teachers and different people and different styles. So the dojo I joined, um, the Yumi Dapo Dojo in Mississauga, headed by Sensei Basils, which is where I still train. And it was a, a real pivotal moment, um, you know, the start of something that I couldn't have possibly predicted what would have happened. That dojo was really focused on spirit development, focused on individual identity and development character development, um, more so than the traditions of martial arts that a lot of dojos might follow, such as, you know, the sensei's word is law, you have to do everything they say, you're not allowed to ask a question, you just do what you're told. This is kind of the old way. Uh, this dojo was a bit different. It was more like, it was more about feeling, if I had to sum it up easily, to feel your way through what it is that you're doing, to feel your way through the art. Because getting to black belt 
is just a roadmap from the beginner to someone who has a toolbox and a basic level of understanding. So I started off there as a brown belt, and then I spent another year catching up before I did a black belt test. The point at which you get to that black belt level, that's where you start to learn more stuff. That's where you start to get more philosophy and you start to learn more about yourself and putting all the pieces together, using the tools in the toolbox to intuitively feel your way through what it is you're doing. The physical nature, the physical fighting, all of that was just the threshold to get through so that you could see what was on the other side of it. So we never did a lot of competition. I didn't actually do any competitions. It wasn't part of the philosophy. Um, it was more about personal development. So there was a lot of very hard training. It was just, you know, struggle with another person, feel with another person, um, really test each other and be respectful and be, you know, kind to each other, but at the same time, push each other's boundaries. So there was a lot of this digging deep and cultivating what I talked about before, which was that inner strength, inner spirit, um, that primal force of nature, whatever's inside, letting that come out and experimenting with it, figuring out how it works, how you feel, how it affects you, and then learning to control it so that you can sort of ignite that when you need it and put it back when you don't. Evolutionarily, it was a way of surviving a situation. And what it did was it overrode all of your functions. So fear, which would lead to anger and rage, it's actually meant to overwrite or override your cognitive functions. So you're not in control anymore. The fear, the anger, that rage, that ferocity is in charge because you had to survive. You had to fight for your life. You know, back when we were, you know, roaming around fighting off saber-toothed tigers and things like that. But nowadays, it's not, it's not really the norm to have to do that. So we're stuck with this position where we have to sort of hide that nature because it could be destructive in the wrong setting. And with martial arts training and what I went through, I learned to almost separate the emotional aspect of it and the physical aspect of it in a way so that it could be controlled, so that you can unlock ferocity, intensity, without getting carried away with emotion. And it's very important to be able to understand emotion and its impact on behavior. Because as I mentioned before, with trauma in the past, you have these defensive barriers that you've built up to protect yourself from all that stuff that happened to you. And those barriers and shields are different for everybody. Some people might um, behave more like I did. I retreated. I became quiet, withdrawn. I felt crumpled up. I felt weak and hopeless and helpless. You know, I was hiding. I was scared. Some other people might go the opposite way and try to bolster up their external um, appearance. You know, more muscles, more money, more cars, more whatever to make themselves feel stronger. But inside, those emotions are still there. So you do have to experience them. And it's, um, it's an interesting uh, 
metaphor that uh, Sensei Basil said. You know, he said, we know more about the universe and the nature of reality and physics and matter and what makes up the fabric of the universe than we do about our own selves. Because we can use something like the, you know, Large Hadron Collider, which is a particle accelerator to smash um, atoms and molecules together and break them up and, and see what comes out, see what's inside. And he said that, you know, that's, that's great, but we also have our own, you know, Large Human Collider here in martial arts. Because if I punch you, stuff's going to come out. And not blood and stuff. I mean, emotions, feelings. Like, if, if you go through this physical exercise with somebody in a safe environment, controlled environment like martial arts school, stuff comes out of you. You'll have to confront your emotions. So for me, a lot of the time, it was the fear of getting hurt or fighting or not wanting to hurt someone else. That's another thing I really struggle with. And still, I feel I'm a pacifist. Like, I don't believe fighting violence and all that stuff. I don't, I don't believe in it. I don't think it's right. I don't think we need to do it. But uh, when you're forced to, in a controlled way, you're forced to confront those feelings and deal with them, um, get acquainted with yourself and what you're capable of. And that's the real value that I got from the martial arts was that um, learning through the physical, through breathing, through, you know, shouting, through moving, through being challenged, um, either on my own or with others. And once in a while, you have to, you have to get some validation that what you're doing is helping. So for me, because we don't do competition, you don't get a lot of validation to say, hey, you've got skills, you know what you're doing, you know, now you're really good at defending yourself, now you're really good at whatever. And I think a lot of people think they need that, like, that's why they go and gravitate towards competition and things, because it gives them validation. But it was almost like this faith you had to have that the training was going to help you. And because I wasn't looking for validation, I was looking to be, to, to heal myself you know, I did not seek out these competitions. And I was never really even that interested in fighting. I was more interested in learning about myself, perfecting my own abilities and skills, you know, as it pertained to the katas we did, the movements, the forms. And so that that wasn't a part that really bothered me, but you still want validation. And when I went for my black belt, it's a test. It's like a three-hour test um, you have to fight people, you have to do lots of things, physical things, mental things. Um, it is really robust, and it is difficult. It's meant to push you um, just beyond your br the brink of, of what you're capable of. And I'll never forget, it wasn't the black belt test that I really, you know, was amazed by. It was the pre-test, because we had a almost like a practice, but it wasn't a practice, it was more like a qualifying a qualifying test to make sure you were ready for the real one. And it was way harder than the actual test itself. And what was interesting about it was they would make you work really hard physically to exhaust your body to the point where, you know, it, it's really hard to catch your breath. You can't think clearly anymore. 
Um, so you're being pushed into that fight or flight mode where you're almost not in control of yourself anymore. And this is where the training kicks in now. Can you maintain control and what will happen? What happens when you get to that point? And I'll tell you what happened was it blew my mind. Um, because, you know, I get very anxious about these things. I want to perform well. Um, but I couldn't think. And at that point, when you can't think, you don't even care anymore. So, you know, I was put through a whole bunch of stuff to do forms and to do push-ups and sit-ups and all sorts of stuff until I was exhausted. And then they gave someone a rubber knife and had them attack me with it repeatedly. And I couldn't even see straight at that point. But what came out of me, my ability to do something to defend against that, it was there. It happened. I didn't even know. It was almost like I was watching someone else do it, not even me. And that was the weirdest and most interesting feeling was, you know, all of that training that amounted to something that caused me to be able to deal with the situation that I could barely even understand what was going on at the time. Um, and then it wasn't even over at that point. Then I had to, you know, fight people, uh, sparring. And the first guy who I stood up against, um, I was not going to have any of it. I was done. I was ready to collapse. So I wanted it over. So when he came at me, I, I opened up like a wild animal. And the next guy who was going to fight me, he was, he was, he told me after he was scared, he didn't want to, uh, because of what he saw there. And I'm not violent. I don't want to hurt people. And I didn't hurt anyone. But um, I showed my intent. And that's the important part. I cultivated my spirit. So we come back to the spirit that I talked about before. And if you can cultivate your spirit to such a degree that you can defend yourself simply with your spirit, not even any particular fancy movements or any self-defense moves. It's not about that. It's just about how viciously are you going to defend yourself and how strongly are you going to stand up for yourself and that's what we tell people a lot of people tell people when they're being bullied stand up for yourself and i'll tell you that's way easier said than done i couldn't stand up for myself when i was a kid i didn't know how i didn't know what to do how to do it i was way too scared to do it i thought if i stood up for myself i'd be crushed you know i'd be destroyed because someone would just you know, demolish me. And that could actually happen too. It's not like outside the realm of possibility. So it, it's a big barrier to get through to even have the spirit to stand up for yourself. And that's what martial arts did for me is it helped me cultivate that spirit that I could stand up for myself if I had to. And that was the pivotal point, really. After that experience, you know, and I've seen a lot of people go through this experience. I've seen people break down crying after going through something like that. And when you ask them, you know, why are you so upset? Why are you crying? And they're shaking and they can barely st stand upright. And it's not that they're scared. I think what it is, and I've talked to a few people, it's that they're just overwhelmed with the emotion of the whole thing. The disbelief that they actually went through that and made it through. And I make this sound really scary and really hard. You know, it, it kind of is in a way, and it kind of isn't. Because when you're done, you're just like, wow, why didn't I do this sooner? Like, that wasn't actually that big a deal. It just seemed really scary. I can't tell you how scared I was 
going for my first black belt grading. It was nerve wracking. Like, but when you're trying to heal from trauma, from bullying or anything else, it doesn't have to be martial arts. But what it does have to have is it has to have this um, feeling of pain and fear because what you're doing is you're confronting that which you're most scared of. You're confronting it head on and you have to decide, you have to commit to doing that. So committing is the hard part and we will use all these words like, well, I should do this and I could do that. Yeah, yeah, I probably should. You're probably right. That would be good for me. But there's no commitment and you will continue to experience the pain of the past trauma over and over for your whole life potentially until you make a decision to say, no, I don't have to suffer with the past trauma. I don't have to suffer with what happened. It happened and I can confront, face it and move through it. Uh, that's a reason why I call this podcast through bullying because there is no way around it. You have to go through it at one point or another when you're ready, but know that you have that power inside you. It's just that it's been, it's been suppressed, it's been diminished, it's been hidden away, and all these other shields and barriers and defenses come up to protect you from the pain. But the pain's always going to be there until you open yourself up and say, okay, let's experience this pain and let's see how bad it really is. And once you do that and realize, okay, it's painful, but I got through it. And then your brain learns something from that feeling experience. So that was my experience, the, the first black belt grading. And I mean, I've been through three of them now um, because I'm third degree black belt. And, you know, it, it, it doesn't get easier to do martial arts as you get higher up in the ranks. It gets harder. Uh, more is expected of you. And you expect more of yourself. But now it's really about understanding human nature. It's about understanding spirit, uh, understanding how, for example, children deal with traumas or how they deal with emotions. And then you start thinking about things like how are we teaching them and what are we teaching them? And how can we better equip them to defend themselves in the real world, in the world? Not um, how we as adults think that it should be done. How can we equip them to figure that out for themselves? So that's sort of the next stage is, you know, teaching kids. Because kids don't have these protective shields yet. They don't have the suppression of their inner nature. They don't have all of this stuff weighing them down when they're quite young they are they're new so if we can help them to experience um, these sorts of ideas in a context they can understand and help them understand the relationships between how they feel and behavior and socialize them with other people who can help them unlock that and they can help the others unlock that. I think, you know, that's a real positive way to prevent some of this stuff from happening, bullying or, you know, these traumas. 
because it cultivates empathy. You know, when I train with people and we're hitting each other and we're, you know, smashing our arms and legs together and and having contact and pushing and pulling and grabbing and throwing, you have to develop empathy. You just, you will because it's happening to you. You know how it feels and you're doing that to someone else. You know how they feel. And when you do that, you cultivate a mutual respect. And that's part of the reason why there's bowing in martial arts is because it's an acknowledgement and a reminder of that mutual respect. But um, if people are not socialized in that way where they can learn through feeling, and again, it doesn't have to always be martial arts. Martial arts, I think, is just a great mechanism through which this can happen. But if there are other ways to make that happen, to make a combination of physical learning emotional learning and, you know, just traditional knowledge-based learning, um, combining that all together would be a much more robust way to help kids create the toolbox and fill it with tools that they can then use because kids are pretty smart. Um, they, they will be able to make their own decisions and whether you like it or not, they're going to make their own decisions. If you try to control them and they don't understand why, you know, you get rebellious behavior and all sorts of stuff. So I think that's, you know, that's one way to look at how to prevent bullying is just through a different kind of education when kids are young. But if you are older, then you have to break down those defensive barriers and reacquaint yourself with what you've lost. And you've lost that because of just our circumstances. Circumstances are different whatever your circumstance is, something has been lost, but you can get that back again. There's probably more that I'm missing. I'll have to think about it because there's, there's just been so much that has happened, um, especially with regard to martial arts and my opinions of it. I could talk for hours and hours and hours about it. Um, but I think that gives you the essence of what I'm trying to say and the value and the experience, the fact that the experience itself was difficult for me. And it still is difficult, but there is no other way that I can think of to heal other than to go through some difficulty. But I can tell you martial arts is the most important thing I've ever done, probably. And it shaped my life in more positive ways than anything else has been able to. And it, it was more positive for me than anything else, even if I got hurt once in a while. Um, nothing too big a deal or anything. But it was just the most important thing in my journey towards where I'm at today. And I'm still going and I'm still learning and I'm still experiencing and growing. And we all are. Even my sensei, you know, he is on a journey, just like all of us. He's just ahead on the path compared to me and others that he teaches. Uh, because he's been here. He's been where I'm at. And he's moved beyond that. And as long as we keep moving forward and beyond and always striving to go higher, farther, and reach for something more, then we're never stuck. And if you're not stuck, you're always, you've got purpose. And with purpose, you know, it's hard to sort of get swallowed up in, you know, a pit of despair or depression because there's always something more you can go um, work towards, which is important to have direction. All right, so... I'm going to 
switch over then to the conversation with Harris and uh, talk to him about his experience in martial arts. And um, in a later episode, I'll probably even interview Sensei Basils because he is one of the most interesting people and his story is quite profound. And, you know, his his philosophies, um, just things that have opened my mind and my eyes up to that I never would have ever thought about on my own. The way I see the world, the way I see people, the way I see behaviors, the way I understand why things happen, a lot of that is because of him and how he sort of taught us. Because it wasn't just all martial arts, there's lots of lecturing too. And um, during those lectures, you get some philosophy that you just can't ignore. It's like, of course that's the case. It makes so much sense now. All of these mysteries in life you know, why do people behave this way? Why is that guy acting that way? You know, why is there this going on over there in that country? And what is wrong with people? And you're just, you got all these questions and frustrations, like you're looking at the world, what's wrong with the world? And with some of this wisdom and some of this philosophy, it's like, it's it's actually quite clear and quite simple why that's the case. Unfortunately, it doesn't really help with, okay, now what do we do about it? Other than what I had already said. It starts with the kids and the understanding and empathy and all that. But, you know, there's no easy solution. You can't fix the world. Um, but at least you can understand the motivations. And if you can understand the motivations behind people, behind things that happen, they're less scary. And that's the important part. If you understand why, it is less scary to you. And if it is less scary to you, you'll get less angry about it. Because fear leads to anger. And what causes a lot of the problems in the world is anger and fear. So the more people that can be, you know, less fearful, I think the better off we'll be. And that comes through an understanding. All right, that concludes the first part of the episode. I'll be posting the interview with my friend and martial arts teacher Harris next week. He's a really unique guy with some great insight into teaching kids about the nature of conflict, which helps them learn how to manage issues like bullying in nonviolent ways. Until then, take care.